Minimalists. <laughs> Hello, patrons. This is Ask the Minimalist number 37. Ryan, we have some questions here. Ask me anything. Let's do it. Julie says, thoughts on minimizing the noise in this upcoming election? Mm, I stopped looking at the news about a week ago. I, I'm really proud of you for doing that, man, yeah. because I know it was it was weighing on you. And I've been on a news diet for a while. And, and anytime, the only time it creeps in is because I get I like Twitter, and yeah. I don't even follow any political people. But occasionally, like people get political, retweeting something. So and, anytime I see someone do something political on Twitter or Instagram, because those are the two that I use, uh -huh. I unfollow them. Uh, I just because I can't I can't deal with it. Uh, here's here's the thing: is social media those uh, those <clears throat> companies they create your narrative for you. Mm -hmm. There is a world narrative that is being presented to you through social media that is specifically designed mm -hmm. to make you as emotional as possible because they want you to click and scroll as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, you, If you want to turn down the noise, you have to get off of social media and even take it a step further. You have to stop going to the news sites. They don't care about you. They don't care about your freedom. Yeah. They don't care about other people's rights. What they care about is aggregating your eyeballs. Yeah, they care about your money. <clears throat> yes. That's what they care about. Because because you are the product now, obviously. I mean, it's an overwrought saying. It's it's yeah. become uh, mm -hmm. banalized mm -hmm. in a way. But it these things end up being true. Now, I'm going to just give you a teaser here. Uh, so Ryan and I, we're going to do a... a political episode we're supposed to have jamie kilstein back on the podcast tk coleman and uh, uh kim iverson is she gonna make it uh, yeah i think so cool so we'll see um I don't know how but we're five people in here <laughs> well we're gonna have seven with uh podcast sean yeah netflix is jordan moore yeah i guess we'll <laughs> i guess we'll figure it out yeah we, we will and and so i'll just make uh jamie sit on my lap <laughs> and uh so but here's the thing we're i think all of us um are going to be of different mind and i want you to to think about that i don't i never understood why people get so upset with their significant other because they voted differently like, mm. oh wow like i don't i just don't get it oh it hurt my feelings you vote you have a different belief than me what it really comes down to is the anger and frustration that they feel with the opposite party and again the media and social media has formed your opinion for you. Sure, but parties are the problem too. I mean, sure. the fact that if you're a team, part of a team, yeah. that means you're willing to buy into the ideologies. And, and often, mm -hmm. I think ideologies are dangerous because at their terminus, they become dogma, right? right. And, and so it means that you subscribe to a certain amount of dogma at this point, mm -hmm. and that is not good. I encourage all of us to be individual thinkers. You may align more closely to a particular party, but when you align perfectly to a party, I'm kind of suspect. Oh, you don't have your own ideas, your own values, your own beliefs. You have to tether on to you know, some uh, nebulous organization's beliefs that they're feeding you. They're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're letting yourself be fed 100% of these beliefs. Mm -hmm. and, and I know because I, that used to be me. I, I was a part of that. Where I believed in a well, uh, because uh, um, 
they dictate this way of thinking, then I then must think that way. And it's like, well, no, I'm allowed to be more nuanced mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. But uh, during the election episode that we're going to do, then I'll move on to the next question here, is I'm going to try something out. I'm going to see how many... So I'm voting in this election, mm-hmm. but I'm going to see how many days I can go without knowing who won. <laughs> Good luck. I'm announcing that here first. Good luck. Uh, I know. And so thankfully I have good friends who will support me. No one, none of my friends like Ryan is going to be a jerk. Yeah. You're not going to believe this yeah. because my friends will, will support me when I want to do a stoical experiment like this. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows? It might be two weeks. It might be two minutes. I have no idea. Yeah. Now, if someone does just text me or tweet me or I, I'll probably got to stay off Twitter altogether. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to. Right. Right. But um, if, if I, if for some reason uh, a close Sean were to text me, well, that'd be a big problem because right. Uh, he respects me more than that, I would but, hope. But the good news, Josh, is this probably will be in contention up through 2021, so none of us will know <laughs> after the election for months who yeah, actually chaos. won. Good I have God. a sneaky suspicion that uh, that all of a sudden we're going to reach herd immunity on November 4th. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Julie, I would recommend a book called Digital Minimalism by a friend of ours named Cal Newport. Go back and check the maximal episode we did with him as well it was mm-hmm. really really good about about digital decluttering we'll put a link to that in the notes below julian has a question for us does the pandemic impact uh does the impact does the pandemic impact the just for win rule yes but not in the way you would think i think hmm so uh, the just for win rule ryan do you want to talk about that great like my snowboard is a just for win yeah, so I know that I'm going to use my snowboard eventually. Uh, hopefully, I can use it this winter. Right. Um, but I might might not be able to. Right. And so, just for win items are things that may not necessarily fall under the 90-90 rule mm-hmm. or the twenty twenty rule, mm-hmm. but you hold on to them because you know you're going to use them. The mo- usually they're consumables. That's the the best way to think about it. Like I, I may not use all the toilet paper in my house in the next <laughs> ninety days. Wait a minute. Are you eating your toilet paper? <laughs> I said use. <laughs> Wait, how do you use it? You said consuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like toilet consumes it. Oh, okay. And, and, but anyway, like, so we don't buy our toothpaste one nurdle at a time. Mm. We have a tube or several tubes just for when we need it, right? Mm. And so a lot of these just for when items. And now, of course, during the pandemic, when it first started way back in March. Oh, God. Everyone was like, I need it all. I need everything. I need mm-hmm. cases of toilet paper. I need cases of, of spaghetti and rice just for when, mm-hmm. right? But the truth is, no, you didn't need it. And then you saw these pictures of people online trying to return entire shopping carts full of toilet paper and shopping carts full of paper towels because they screwed up. I saw so many stories where like managers were refusing to return, you know, 90 days. Yeah, I know. I love it, man. It's like, yeah. Sometimes you got to learn those lessons the hard way. Yeah, and so you you paid for it. And mm-hmm. and you not with just your money though, with mm-hmm. your time, your attention, yeah. with these wasted resources. Here's how it adjusted the just for win rule for me. It actually made me realize that even during a pandemic, I need less than I thought. Yeah. 100%. And, and so it adjusted it for me the other way. Right. Because even if you look at the the epicenter of where this whole thing started back back in Wuhan, mm-hmm. They still had food the whole time. They still mm. had water the whole time. Mm-hmm. They still had power the, the whole time. Right. And so if the epicenter was okay, it made me realize like, oh, like the preppers 
the so-called preppers, I should say, the who are actually just hoarding, um, n- not the real preppers, which we could make a distinction. But there are some people who are like, well, I'm, uh, I'm becoming a prepper now, and it's like, well, what are you really preparing for? Right? Are you uh, you hoarding a bunch of ammunition and toilet paper mm-hmm. is not going to give you the love, respect, kindness, joy, meaning that makes a life a life. Right. And so, would you rather be there in your bunker in perpetuity with a lot of bullets? Or would you rather be with your friends and family and loved ones for a shorter period of time, but really living your life? Yeah. We have a question here from Holly Dayton. What a great name. I knew a guy in Dayton, which is in Montgomery County. Named Holly? No, no. <laughs> his name was um, his name was Dayton Montgomery. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I want that name. Yeah. But it was his actual name. Anyway, uh, how do we prepare for a holiday season when it's going to be incredibly hard to give the gifts of time together and experiences such as concerts, movies, etc., to our loved ones? I will say this. Stay tuned. We have a, a Christmas, a minimalist Christmas episode coming up. I think it'll be early... Early December, I believe, podcast, Sean. There's a book, a woman who wrote a book we're trying to get on. She wrote a book called Minimalist Christmas. And so that's going to be a good resource. Hopefully she'll be on the podcast with us. If not, we could still reference the book, just me and Ryan. We also did an episode on materialism around Black Friday that will be coming out, I think, the week, the, the Tuesday before Black Friday, Tuesday mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving. So you can check that out as well. But any additional tips, Ryan? Uh, uh, because you, maybe you can't spin it with loved ones. Maybe it's a Zoom Christmas. I don't know. I don't know. Try try doing a giftless Christmas. See how that goes. Yeah. I mean, worst case scenario is you regret it and wish you would have done something. But by next Christmas, uh, by the following Christmas, you'll be able to, to do more than what you can do this holiday season. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, the gift giving being a love language is really, I don't know. It seems a bit ah, per, pernicious, pretentious. I don't know, man. Like both. I would agree. <clears throat> yeah. It's like if I, if my love language is gift giving, mm-hmm. here's a tie clip. I love you. Like that's not considering how you want to be loved. Right. It's considering how I want to love. Oh, it's meta inconsiderate. Yeah. So, uh, even if gift giving is your love language, um, you've got to think about the people who you're trying to express love to and ask how they want to receive love. They may not need anything at all. Right. Give them a phone call. Yeah. You can do, like you said, you can do zoom or something, but Oh no. What happens if we go through a Christmas without any gifts? I mean, that's, that's uh, in my opinion, like that's not the end of the world. There's a lot, there's a lot worse things happening in the world than can I give gifts? Yeah. Yeah. My godmother who lives in uh, Chicago, I think I mentioned her in the book briefly. And love people use things. Um, it comes out next year, but um, she was my mother's best friend growing up. She lives in Chicago now. Yeah, she always lived there. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I was thinking of uh, the the gal that we always stay with her and her sister in San Francisco. I thought that was your godmother. Uh, no, huh? Uh, anyway, I've never uh, met your godmother. Yeah, you have. You met her. She uh, she came to our Chicago event in 2017. She uh, yeah she she brought a picture. She brought something, yeah, some kind of picture, uh, or something yeah, picture of my mom, yeah. Um, anyway, um, she, where was I going with this? Oh, godmother. Oh, she, uh, they, they both wanted to get me a gift recently, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I said yes. I, you know, my, here's my favorite charity, and yeah. and uh, it was the Against Malaria Foundation. Yeah. And so, if you make a donation, in my name, I'd really appreciate that. Awesome. And I often do that for relatives uh, who have what I think of as everything. I can't really. Uh, 
add much value to their life, but I can add value to the lives of others through their name. That's a great idea, man. Givewell.org is the best place to go to find the most effective charities in the world. Emily says, I want to minimize over intake of information. We sort of talked about that. So I'm going to go on to another question there. Yeah. Uh, we talked about turning down the news. Um, can you go into more detail on what each of your spiritual... Actually, let me go back. Emily's question, we answered on an episode that's coming out in a few months. Let me be really clear about that. Uh, we talk about turning down the volume. It's on a maximal episode that comes out the 7th of January. Uh, it's about New Year's and minimizing clutter. So you'll be able, there's a long answer for you that's already out there, and you'll be able to check it out in January. It's it's my favorite part of that episode and it's at the very end of the episode uh, Bonnie says could you please go into more detail on what each of your spiritual and religious beliefs are um no that's uh that's pretty private I do have that conversation with some people but yeah not even on the ass minimalist anything yeah if there's an appropriate time that, that would make sense to talk about it but Ryan mm -hmm. and I have different spiritual beliefs I think mm -hmm. we can say that but it's, it's a very private thing we're not trying to uh, proselytize even with minimalism we're not trying to proselytize it may seem that way because we started a website called The Minimalist we're simply trying to share a story right and yeah. I, what I'm afraid of is that if I were to, to uh, proselytize my personal beliefs or you were to bring yours to the forefront then all of a sudden um, that could taint the message that we're trying to bring in, in yeah. front of people. It's, it it wouldn't away. even be proselytizing as much as, you know, um, I'll just say this. Everything is spiritual. Read Rob Bell's book, Everything is Spiritual. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, check out the episode we did with him of that same title, Everything's Spiritual. All right. We have a question from Sarah Hinn. How do you stay safe as a content creator? I'm not a content creator. Oh, she <sighs> means meaningful creation creator. Yeah, I, I think this is a problem, right? Like, the, we, I think creating content is the problem, though. There, there yes. is this this need to. Um, the reason that I create is I feel as though the world is a better place with the thing that I create. Mm -hmm. And because I feel like it'll add value to some people's lives. I don't think it's appropriate for everyone. I think about half of the people in the United States, for example, are contented with the status quo. And I don't want to try to change their mind about their stuff. But the other half who are discontented with that status quo, then we have a solution. There are many solutions out there. We have a solution I think people might get value from. How do you stay safe? I mean, really, it's about staying uncancelable. We're uncancelable to a certain extent. If you're a Patreon supporter of well, us... That's what they, I was wondering what they meant by staying safe. Yeah, I, th th that's what I get out I of I thought the they question. were talking about, like, COVID or something. I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, be uncancelable. Keep going. I, I, I love this. I love when you talk about this. Yeah, and so I, I think that we are cancelable in the sense that if you are a Patreon supporter, you personally can cancel us. We can be canceled on an individual basis. If I start doing something that's disingenuous, mm -hmm. uh, if I start lying to the audience, uh, I don't know if something I don't know, I'm lobotomized and and I start behaving like that, mm -hmm. then of course, yeah, yeah, you can you can cancel us. Uh, but what we do is we we try to be ourselves especially yeah. with the patreon audience allows us to to dive deep into some topics we wouldn't typically discuss mm -hmm. uh, there are obviously some things we, we won't go into to detail on but this is a much more intimate setting and you can cancel us 
mm-hmm. at any time. But guess what? No one else can cancel us. Right. Even even we have relationships with some corporations like Netflix, for example. Sure. But if they come to you and say, hey, guys, you know, your next film, which comes out January 1st, we decided it's done. We're not going to put it out. Okay, great. That's okay. Great. We'll just go put it on our own. Right. Or a publisher drops us. Great. Okay, we'll put yeah. it out on our own. We own a publishing company. I'm fine with, with right. doing everything on our own. Yeah. And so I think the key, Sarah, is independence. Being as independent as you can can not being tethered to a corporation or tethered to something that is cancelable yeah all right we have a question here uh oh sarah again what are your this one was upvoted pretty high Mm. what are your thoughts on people who own two homes such as landlords i own a home that i don't live in so that, that that would be me yeah technically you have two homes yeah i rent one one. yeah rent one own the other yeah um i will also be in that situation soon enough um Although I might eventually live in it, that the plan is to eventually live in it. But yeah, I mean, there's <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with having um, investments. In yeah. fact, I would recommend people who have the money mm-hmm. uh, don't just put it all in your 401k or in in a Betterment account. It's important to have those things, but you do want to have a little bit of diversity. Now, I'm not a financial expert when it comes to you know advice on how to diversify your money. But there's nothing wrong with. I mean, if you were, uh, if you had ten homes mm-hmm. and you were renting them all out and you owned them all, like there's nothing wrong. No, I think it's great. Yeah, if you're, if you're an ethical person. <clears throat> yes. The problem is like that I would have personally is let's say you know as a I became a billionaire uh-huh. and all of a sudden I'm able to own you know my own private island or something. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't do that personally just because. It, <laughs> Unless I could Airbnb it out, and but again, like that's an investment. Sure. But like, I wouldn't want to just have an empty home that I can come and go to for you know a month out of the year. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure that's that's so. her question here. Her question is simply like, um, what do you think of landlords? And I think right. landlords are necessary because yeah. depending on where you live, it's uh, upwards of sixty percent of people in a city, including me. I, I rent my apartment here yes. in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I have a really nice landlord. I, I like them, you yeah. know? Um, and, and I think it's finding a good landlord mm-hmm. is important mm-hmm. and, and finding the, you know, the home that is appropriate for you, whether you're buying it or you're renting it. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those things have advantages. Renting is simply buying the ability to walk away. Yes. However, Owning a house gives you another kind of, of freedom, whether it is an investment property. By the way, I think it's great. I, I don't, I, I don't. Thankfully, Bex handles the uh, rental property that we have back in Dayton, and I don't do. I wouldn't recommend doing debt if mm-hmm. you're thinking about buying a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a true investment. Here's why. If it's just an investment, you wouldn't take out money to put into your 401k, for example, right? right? So if you're just doing it as an investment, you would want to have the money in order to to buy the property. I, I don't believe in, in going to debt personally. So our opinion is, yeah. <laughs> it, w- we don't judge people, first off, regardless. If anything, we just relate. Yeah. But yeah, um, anyone who's doing something deliberately, whether it's a landlord or whatever, like, great. As long as you're living deliberately, um, that's that's what you know, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Finney says, have you ever gotten rid of stuff you owned and genuinely regretted it later on? Mm. No. 
Yeah, if I have it, it was like an extra toothbrush or something. I mean, it was so small. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about the 2020 rule, right? Yeah. Anything I get rid of, I can replace less than twenty dollars, less than twenty minutes, and that applies for ninety nine percent of the things that we mm-hmm. own. D- uh, Diana says, "I'm going through a divorce. My husband owned our home before our marriage, and I'm taking advantage of the fact of the fact to le- leave here with pretty much nothing from our home aside from some of my toddler's things. Mm-hmm. But that leaves me with some." Incredible overwhelm. I'm literally building my belongings from scratch for the first time ever. I try to make lists or search on the internet, but the urge to simply add everything to my cart is there. Mm. I appreciate any advice to help me tackle this. My move-in date for my new apartment is November 7th, so I have some time to do this properly. Mm. Go back and listen to our, our, our moving episode. We did a moving episode. Sean could put a link to that in the notes to this uh, moving podcast episode. But uh, what Bex and I did when we moved here, we were faced with a similar situation, not because of divorce, but because uh, coming to a new place with, with next to nothing, mm-hmm. we, we slowly, very slowly populated our new thing. I think mm. one of the problems we, we run into is we think we need to fill up the, we, oh, I have 2,000 square feet or whatever you have, whatever you're moving into. Hopefully it's not 2,000 square feet for two people, but mm. um, whatever you have, then you feel the need. And I mean need mm-hmm. to fill it with stuff. Yeah, I gotta have all this stuff because I'm incomplete. Mm. But of course you're complete in an empty room. You know yeah. that. I know that the things that you bring in should then augment your experience of life. They should enhance or amplify your life. But if you just fill everything up immediately, you're definitely going to regret it. So slowly populating your space with the things that truly add value. It allows you to make a decision that's going to last you for a much longer time. You find the right couch or the right coffee table or the right kitchen table. And then you even question, do I even need those things in the first place? Mm. And if you don't, the easiest way to let go is not bring them in in the yeah. first place. Yeah, create some boundaries. Start slow. Um, check out the minimalist rule book. There's definitely a couple rules in there that'll help you with this. Alexa says, "Should I buy the book to support the author or borrow it from the library to align with my minimalist lifestyle?" I don't like this question because it presupposes that buying a book is anti-minimalist. Do what's best for you. Yeah, that's that's what you need to do. Yeah, I think the answer is either, right? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, we often recommend people get our books from the library. Mm-hmm. If you just want to read it, if you want to own it, that's fine too. You can get it at your local independent bookshop. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever. Yeah. Whichever is appropriate for you, yes. However, don't think that buying a book is inherently non-minimalist. Right. Having a curated collection of books... In fact, uh, we've got this episode coming out called Book Clutter that I did. Um, Podcast Sean and Jordan joined me briefly on the maximal version of that, which you can check out as well. We talk a lot about books on that episode. Ryan was out of town, so we just thought we'd have fun and record a Book Clutter episode. All right, Jaden has a question. As an artist, I've got a lot of sketchbooks, projects, and supplies I must have to create and keep for school. Not everything I use often, but some are some are school required or stuff I definitely slowly use over time. I wonder how to keep those down so they don't overwhelm me in my tiny room. Hmm. I think creativity breeds, uh, is, is bred by certain constraints. Yeah. Right. And so being able to say, you know what? I'm an artist. Here's the tools that I need. Let me strip it down to half of what I need mm-hmm. and get extra creative 
and you'll be surprised by how that will change the process. Yeah. I'm not saying to deprive yourself, but get down to less than what you think you need, and you might realize that you need less than you thought you needed. Yeah, they need to set some boundaries up. I mean, if you're in a tiny, if you're in a studio a, uh, apartment, let's say, or maybe it's just like a dorm room, and your whole room is your is is your boundary? Well, that's not a very good boundary, right? But let's say you got a little corner with a cabinet there, and you're like, all right, well, I can just I will hold on to what it can fit in this cabinet, whatever that boundary. Uh, whatever boundary is appropriate for you, that's what you want to figure out. Um, and then me of Ella's room. stick to that boundary. That yeah. reminds me, so she, we've sort of set up some boundaries for her. We don't call them boundaries, but yeah. they are effectively that. She has these three toy, small toy bins yeah. that fit into her dresser, right? And if, as soon as they get full, that's when we start the decluttering process of right. her toys. Yeah. And she has to participate in that process. Two more questions here. Beatrice asks, I want to know your favorite flavor of cake since Ryan talks a lot oh, about cake. I love cake. Dude, my favorite. Oh, there's so many. Pick one. I can't pick one. Damn it, man. Red velvet. But I also like pineapple That's upside down cake. flavor of cake. I also like, uh, like my grandma always got like a German chocolate cake. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, what? It's like asking me what my favorite country is or my favorite state. It's like... Mm. It's you can't if I I guess if I had to choose one it'd be red velvet because that's the one that stand like every time I see something red velvet I think it's the color that like draws me towards it but I also really really enjoy the taste yeah um but that's the one that if I had to choose one I guess that's what I would choose red yeah. velvet the correct answer is cheesecake Ryan oh man I was so close Leonor finally asks it's very hard for me to date someone who's not a minimalist. Help. Um, well, then date a minimalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of dating sites right now. Uh, they all have algorithms. So do your due diligence to present the best version of yourself. And the algorithm, I mean, that's how Mariah and I met mm -hmm. through an algorithm. And we were both genuinely honest with who we were. And yeah. we had a good match. Yeah. Um, yeah. So help <laughs> just do the work yeah there's this thing i talk about in help love, yourself and love people use things which unfortunately won't be out for a while um although if you're one of our vips listening to this well you know i send out that excerpt uh from the book every month a different mm -hmm. little little chunk from the book but there is this this part in the book where we talk about the three things for a thriving relationship mm. and this I got this from talking to Christopher Ryan, Dr. Christopher Ryan about this. Mm -hmm. It's compatibility, chemistry, and love, mm -hmm. right? Now, the, what you're talking about with the minimalist thing, that's that's the compatibility part, right. right? So you need that, but you also need the chemistry. You also need the love. And, right. and what we try to do in the book is really dive into what those things mean and, and try to give you some examples. And also from my own failed marriage from my 20s, I explain where those things were out of whack. And by the way, Relationships often last for a long time because we have two of the three and it feels pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when chemistry is there. You know, often that's the only thing we have and that's a, a huge flame, but it burns out really quickly, right? Yeah. If you don't have compatibility, you don't have love, you need all three though for yeah. a relationship to thrive. Not just an intimate relationship, by the way. 
you and I have a chemistry. It's not a sexual chemistry. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think it is. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but um, we have a chemistry that, that, that works well with us. We, all, I mean, we, have, we love each other. And, and then, of course, there's compatibility. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're the same, yeah. but we have the same values. Right. And I think that's important to note. So, yeah, you can date a minimalist or someone who maybe may not identify as minimalist, but has minimalist tendencies. They're mm. predisposed for simple living. Mm. I'd give that a shot. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter. Amen. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next month. Love people. Use things. Bye. The Minimalists. Mm-hmm. <laughs>